Welcome to this podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We've got Jeremy Carruthers and Kyle Philippi and myself, and we're just going to talk a little bit about Jeremy's story. Um, you've been here for, I think, almost a year, over a year, over right at a year. year. yeah. And so, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about um, maybe your journey with Far Flung, maybe pre-Far Flung, how you found out about it. Yeah, so I had friends in Far Flung when I was at the university. Uh, it was very much in its infancy then. I think he had done like one trip uh, by the time that me and you talked, Kyle. And um, yeah, Kyle uh, asked me to come along and record an album in Ecuador. I had done a couple small recording things for him for some live production. Um, I remade Under the Sea. Um, from, to, to the words of Welcome to Lee. Welcome to Lee, yeah. I remade That's that amazing. entire orchestration, uh, <laughs> which was fun. Um, which I can't find that, by the way. If you have that, I'd like to hear it. I've looked through my drives. Like I, I apparently yeah, I've got the, yeah. But, uh, side note. Uh, yeah, so he, uh, he invited me to Trace Hermanos and proceeded to ask me to go to Guatemala to record the Together Project. And, uh, man, that was 2015, 2015. So that was seven years ago ish, six years ago. And, um, yeah, we recorded that album and, uh, you know, seven, six, seven years ago, I'm here in the office still recording albums. But you didn't, it wasn't a trajectory you had really planned. No, no. I mean, um, no, it was just like a, it was a constant in my life from that moment. You know, you were constantly reaching out uh, for new things. And I thought that was cool. I liked the purpose of it. I believed in uh, your vision for Far Flung. And um, it was a place where, I mean, I could use creative expression, you know, for, for good, uh, for good purposes. So I was always very much uh, involved um, even though I think some people are like intentionally like wanting to get in far flung and more and more involved the more in me, it was like, you kind of pulled me in and it was just like a fit, a natural fit. And you just kind of, I don't know if there was ever any formal conversations up until about a year ago, but, um, yeah, it was just, I mean, even when we had those formal conversations, you were already here, like on my doorstep in a box, with a little <laughs> note that says, please take care of this baby <laughs> I can no longer no you just kind of showed up here at the office one day yeah I mean I didn't recruit you no 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 we were in Virginia and then uh, me and my wife had talked and uh, behind closed doors we were just like yeah we're here uh, this is what we're doing and we're gonna stay committed to it and we're gonna be here forever and within like six months uh, really through just I mean a crazy crazy season of dreams and visions and words um, from God and just revelations and realizations, all of the things, you know, in a, in a matter of six months, like, you know, we're like, we're going to stay here forever. And then six months later, it was like, we really feel like God is calling us to leave like tonight. And we didn't understand wow. everything. And we thought we'll be back. Nobody even know we're gone. Let's just be obedient tonight. Uh, and people have asked, like, man, that was crazy. Like, you know, you, you left everything. And, like, what? I, well, the story is just, it's weird, you know, even to me. And there's a lot of things that um, still kind of questionable or up in the air. I don't even understand. Um, people say, like, well, how could you take take that risk? Or how could you just, man, you, and it was like, well, <clears throat> me and my wife got to a point where, you know, you talk about risk management the risk of walking away from everything and, and alienating people or people not understanding or walking away from home and healthcare and salary. And it's like, man, that's a risk. But I kind of knew what, what the risks that were associated yeah. with that. And I kind of knew like the struggles that were associated with that. But on that, uh, I think it was July 7th when we really felt like God was pushing us to leave like immediately 
I knew what the risk associated was with walking away. I didn't know the risk of being disobedient. Mm. Like I didn't know what what it would be like to live in disobedience to God. Not saying that I've always been perfectly obedient, but there was enough that God had said and done over a period of of months that you know I looked at Becca and I said, "Okay, it's confusing and as weird as this is. If we stay here." Like for another minute, if we stay here, we're in direct disobedience, right? Like we know that now. We were confused for a couple months and wondering. Now we know it. And me and my wife both agreed like, yes. So we were just like, pack it up, boys. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> And we loaded up the car. My wife was pregnant. We had two small children. And uh, we just loaded up the car at 10 p.m. and drove overnight to the only place we knew to go which was about 25 minutes from here. Are you saying that the risk of unknowing this, you know, the risk of jumping into something of the unknown is less scary than the risk of staying somewhere you believe is disobedience? Absolutely. And that's like, man, there's so much to the story. I mean, I mean, if I ever wrote a book about it, it'd be like a thousand pages, you know, like, there's so much to the story that, yes, there, there was a legitimate fear, like a legitimate fear that was like, you, 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 you got to wonder, you know, you live your whole life under the protection or just like, I can only think of like these, like, the cleft of the rock or under the wing or, you know, and uh, when those things are then removed, you know, or you remove yourself from that place and the, uh, how, how exposed you feel or how um, accessible you feel to um, quote unquote, the enemy or, you know, quote unquote darkness or whatever, like, I mean, we, we just experienced some crazy things where we were like, man, if this is a taste, if this is a taste of what it's like to live in disobedience, we're done. We're done with it. And a lot of it is like like intimate details I won't even like go into, but just like uh, very real, very real things, like not sleeping, like uh, just days and days of, of just... Uh, experiences that mm. you know you're you're like what is going on you right. know and part of it was I remember one night we I was just praying and you know growing up you just learn like plead the blood of Jesus and pray things and we just felt like this fear in our own home and just ran just really really weird stuff and I just felt like my prayers were just you know hitting the floor and um, I just felt like had this kind of revelation is like, I don't think that this is like the presence of evil as much as it is the absence of uh, closeness and nearness to the Father, right? So like I've, I've heard it said like in these big theological and scientific debates, like darkness is just the absence of light, right? It's a privation. Right. It's not its own thing. It's just a thing that happens when there's no light. And uh, whereas evil... It's like God didn't have to create evil. It's just the absence of him. Mm. Like, whatever. And uh, so we really felt like we lived this very short season yeah. in this uh, emptiness of like, like if you're going to stay here, almost like God is not here. Right. And I'm careful when I say that. I'm just, I'm, I, think that, I think that it was intentional from the Father. I think that it, it was a very real, tangible example for us of what we would live under if we continued in disobedience. And maybe he wouldn't have had to do that if you would have just took a risk earlier. Yeah, and I beat myself up for that for a long time. I was like, oh, sorry. Man. <laughs> I didn't like, mean to <laughs> hammer that no, in. No, no, because it was like, oh, man, well, how long have we been disobedient? Or how? Right, and right. I just, you know, I was talking to somebody at Eminate, and they're like, man, I've been disobedient for years now. And I'm just like, relax, man. Like, mm -hmm. like 
like, like God, he's got you. Yeah, like yeah. there's so much grace. Like, like he he he's he's not like unaware of what we know and don't know, right? So if I'm like, man, I, God, I really want to do what you want me to do, but I'm not sure, and I do that for two years, I, I don't think he's like, ah, right? No, he's looking. He's like, yeah, he's not sure. Yeah. Like I think there's that grace. I think he knows and he understands that, and I think that. Um, it came to a point for us though that, like I said, when we looked at each other and we said, "Okay, we 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 haven't been sure, but right. now we are right? right." Right. So now it's a clear choice: obedience or not. And uh, we convinced ourselves in that moment to be obedient by saying, "Well, we'll be back. Mm. Maybe we'll just be gone for two days." Wow. Um. Well, it, maybe <laughs> this, maybe that, maybe God will work every, and then you know you've. You fast forward like a, almost a year and a half later, and it's like, if he would have told me, I would have been gone and like left the way I left, and I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, let me just be honest. It was just that, uh, it was just that moment going, okay, it's either obedience or disobedience. Mm. So I want to be obedient, and then you know, uh, convincing ourselves, oh, yeah, well, this will just fix everything, and we'll be back soon. Nobody will ever know. Um, and then God orchestrating everything the way that he did, um, so that I'm still sitting in this office and in this chair and, Hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it really is a story of a lot of grace. Yeah. And, uh, man, I remember when we first got here, just the, uh, the confusion, the heaviness, the, and then since then, I mean, experiencing this. Like really, really, really experiencing the father for the first time in my life. Mm. Like really, really at 30, you know, 34 years old, like really, really experiencing the father for the first time. And it took him all of the things that happened in this crazy, stupid thing that we did, packing up at 10 p.m. and driving eight hours overnight on a whim, you know, really. Um, stripping me of every title. I mean, we just started a business that was like super successful and I had put a m- bunch of money into that. And um, I was like this type of pastor and I was doing this and I was, a th- you know, all of these things to driving here and sitting in my in-laws house and literally being nothing mm. for like the first time in my life. Like I'm, not working on anything. I'm not any type of title. So like it was this crazy season where God just like completely interrupted everything. Took me from doing a lot and being a lot to doing nothing and basically being nothing, you know, and uh, just stripping me down to like really, really like this place where I had to search and figure out who I was for the first time. Wow. And what I found was that I was like simply... A child of God. So I chuckled earlier to what? I said, which is enough. Yeah. Yeah, which is it. Which is it. And now that's the context. That's the foundation from which everything else happens. So it's like, how do you not get caught up in the rat race like I was or like, and doing all, it's like, because at the end of the day, it doesn't change. It doesn't add or take away through who I am. I'm just a son. So I chuckled earlier because um, it just made me think like you were talking about obedience versus disobedience. And uh, I was reminded of like Saul. I was reminded of so many stories in the Bible where like obedience was key. Right. And I think it was Brian that was talking about this the other day. He said, you know, sometimes we do a good thing. But that good thing is not always the will of God. Right. And so like you, you mentioned you were in ministry. Right. You were doing a good thing. Right. You had a business supporting your family. You were doing a really good thing. But but it wasn't necessarily the thing that God had for you in this season. And sometimes it's like there's this fear or hesitation to do that thing that God is calling you to do because there's a lot of uncertainty. One thing I know for sure about my father in heaven is that he doesn't give a rip about what I do mm. if I don't have a clear view of who I am and who he is. Wow. I, that's, that's it. Wow. Like, 
to the point that like, so a lot of times when you're in church work, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's like the church work becomes the ultimate thing. Mm. Building the kingdom becomes like the ultimate thing. Or, or a kingdom. Or a kingdom, right. <laughs> but to be less cynical, building the, <laughs> building the kingdom becomes right. the ultimate thing. And it's like, man, we all the stories we hear in the Bible, all the parables that Jesus gave, the lost coin, mm. the lost sheep, like all of these... All of these stories point me back to a father that's like so concerned with just like the individual, mm. like so concerned with just the one. So like, and it's very easy to get caught up in that, like doing and doing right. and doing and doing. And it's like, man, I, I just went through and am still going through this beautiful season of just being. Mm. For the first time in my life, I'm just being yeah. a son. I'm just wow. being a child of God. And completely, completely um, indifferent to doing much of anything. Which I think there's a great argument that could be made that you can accomplish more in that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's just re readjusting our perspective because like right now right so the jeremy of 2021 if i would have continued the jeremy that i was compared to now my, my kids would have been being raised by a completely different father mm. like i'm a completely different father now that i understand who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, Which makes and, them and, a completely different son and daughter. Right. So you yeah. say like, and you say like, man, you could even accomplish more. And I agree with that. But all I can think about and all I've thought about for the last year and a half is like, oh, dude, the grace of God. Mm. You know, that this happened when my kids were three. Wow. You know, mm. My oldest kid was three. Like, and not 15. Mm. Like, that's the grace of God, because um, I don't know what I would have taught them, like, intentionally or unintentionally, or, or what they would have learned just watching me. But it, it, I would much rather them turn out to be who I am now than who I was mm -hmm. two years ago. Mm. Um, everything has changed for me. Everything. And I used to have anxiety issues just gone. I get stressed out every once in a while. It's not like it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a difference between like getting stressed right. and overwhelmed in moments and living under the constant persecution and oppression of anxiety. Like I lived that. I used to talk about it. Like as I taught and as I spoke, mm. like just open about it. It's gone. Like, um, there's so many other things, but it all goes back to shifting my perspective to to realize what's important. And it's the closeness and the nearness to the Father, the the understanding of who He is, the understanding of my own identity. And in the song we put on, on uh, Take a Risk, um, the All You Ever Wanted Was My Heart, there's a line that's, that said, I was told I was just a servant, but when I came home, you met me on the road, ran to me with the ring and the robe and threw a party mm. to let everybody know. Like, that's the testimony for me. Yeah. It's like this realization was like, oh, man. Like, you know, we, we all go through those pig pen moments and we're like, like, you know, I guess I'll just go back to the father. You know, mm. I guess I'll just go go back to what I knew or like, I'll just I guess I'll just go back and here's here's who I am. I'll just be a servant. Like, this is all that I am. And then you have this encounter with the Father where you're like, I, could just, I guess I'll just, I'll just come and serve. And he's like, man, serve. I'm like, here, here's the ring. Like, this is the signet ring. Like, I give you my authority. Like, I cover your shame. 
and, and like, and we're about to celebrate mm. you. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, and that's kind of like, I heard somebody teaching about it and, um, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it. So I may be saying something wrong here, but this is the way I remembered it is that some of the language that is used in the Greek for during the prodigal son story, like it's almost like the father was interrupting the son with his kisses and that he put his weight on the son. So, so he probably had this whole speech prepared. It was mm. like, father, I've sinned. I've done so wrong. And now I'm returning and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I'll stay in line. And it's like, mm-hmm. he just wouldn't like the father just wouldn't stop kissing him. He's like, no, just let me say my thing. <laughs> just let me. And it's just like, please, please. And it's like, the man, the father was just happy. And then, and then just putting it, just embracing him. And it's like, if you've ever been embraced, like with somebody with that desperate embrace, there's like a heaviness to it. You're almost holding someone up or you're holding each other up. And just how the, the burden that the son carried, his new burden became the love of the father. Mm. And that's it, man. Like that's, that's like, like, man, it's like, you know, you can grow up in it. You can grow up hearing those things. And it's just like, you're, I think your brain is, is trained to hear certain parts of it. Mm. Like you hear that story your whole life and I'm like, well, the father is good, but I'm still scum. I'm just the like snow covered dung sinner saved by grace. But the father, he's just good. And it's like now I look at that story and I'm like, man, like, like the father thinks I'm awesome. Mm. Like he really, really likes me. Mm. You know? Yeah. And that's the Jeremy that is now raising his kids. So like that Jeremy didn't exist two years ago. So I just, who knows, you know, I just, I know that I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm glad about that. But, yeah. And the, the timing, you know, God is just constantly like bamboozling us into his plan. Oh yeah. And the timing of it, you know, January, 2020, this is pre COVID um, me and Brian are writing the kids books and this is like January 7th, like right after the new year, things aren't really getting going. I'm just at home. And I'm like thinking about the Muppets and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we could do a show. Now it was a lot smaller scale than what it ends up being. I thought on our trips, we bring a few puppets and we do little storylines and just, you know, and so I'm thinking logistically, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to put money into it. We're going to put money into puppets. We're going to like do a proof of concept that this is a good thing. We can't put a bunch of money into puppets. And I called this big puppet company out in LA that do like television puppetry. And they're like, we actually surprisingly don't have any projects right now. And we really want to do yours. So they gave me this crazy discount. We paid like 20% on two puppets than what they were going to normally cost. And so I was like, okay, we'll do mine because my character is like the leader of the crew. And mm. I mean, I'm just, I carry things. <laughs> <laughs> and what would be another one? Well, I really think that um, Jeremy, like we could grow a great character out of Jeremy and we could carry and banter back and forth. So put the money in. I need a Jeremy the raccoon puppet. I need a Kyle the otter puppet. Which I was originally supposed to be a beaver. I think just because they were no, it, yeah, yeah, it was a beaver. You're right. We went back and forth, and I just said, I was like, man, you know, you see beaver, and it's like, you just think he's got like a trapper hat on, y'all. You know, and I'm just like, this is not, it's not. Really you said, me. I feel like I need to be a character that can survive out in the wild and in the city, right? And then you're like a raccoon, raccoon. That's it. What's this is what's so funny about that. Is it's like these one of those things like you just look back and you're like life is so weird. <laughs> Literally within, I, it had to be two days of you reaching out about making a puppet of me and designing an animal character. I had watched a <laughs> documentary on raccoons. <laughs> For, for those just listening, he just hit his head on an elephant statue. <laughs> Which Tobin did that last week. Oh, he did? <laughs> yeah. But, I, like, what are the odds? And really what it was, the documentary was about 
how raccoons can thrive in urban environments. <laughs> I don't know why I watched this. I don't know why it was interesting to me. But two days later, <clears throat> you call me and be like, like, well, we need to be something that can thrive in urban environments. And I'm like, raccoon. Like, I literally <laughs> just watched the documentary. And for like 10 years, I've been making fun of the fact that your hands are on the small side. Yeah. And Which I pointed out first. I beat you to that. Yeah, I yeah, sent yeah. him a picture so of a raccoon always talking with about its that. hand up and it's all tiny. And so when he's like, we're texting back and forth, I really think it needs to be raccoon. And then I said... I, I text you a picture of raccoon's hands. I said, you do have dumb hands, though. <laughs> you do have dumb hands, though. <laughs> so we order this thing in January. They take six weeks to turn around, but then COVID hits. And March, shut down, all the stuff. Their staff goes under. Like, all this stuff happens. So it's just like delay, delay, delay. It's just like two guys working on these puppets. So I'm just kind of waiting, writing out, like plotting out the whole season, what it's going to be. And the season's going to be Kyle the Otter is in the treehouse by himself doing missions work with his missionary friends, but it starts growing so much that he needs a team. And by the end of season one, the last episode's about a, a, a whole treehouse full of people and they take all of Kyle's responsibilities and he's upset he has nothing to do. And then he realizes, oh, I'm so thankful that I have a team. So that's what the, we write that in January, 2020. That's the, that's the arc for the first season. So Jeremy just shows up here. Of course, I can't even afford to have Jeremy on the team. And we're like gearing up to start the show. And I was here. I was, when I first got here, I was actually like, well, we're here for one day, two days, three days, four days. We're just waiting to go back. Mm -hmm. And then we never felt like released to go back. We never really knew what to do. And like, I was like, okay, well, I got to do something. So I'm like, maybe I'll just do DoorDash while I'm waiting. I don't want to go like get a job because I'm going to be going back to Virginia soon. I don't know when. And uh, so I was like, well, let me get on Door. And like, literally, I remember as I'm getting like, like, do I even, how do you do DoorDash? Like, is that a thing? You texted me and you were like, Hey, I got some work for you. And I was like, I'm actually in Tennessee. You didn't even know. And yeah, I didn't tell I would, anybody. I didn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, because I had already got the Kyle the Otter puppet so I could start filming. Yes. And and I was like, Well, I mean, I and you were like, Oh shoot. I'm like, I'm in Tennessee. And I was like, No, I got my stuff. And you're like, Well, I got space in the office. Come you can come set up if you want. So I'm like, Okay. So hmm. and then what's funny about that is the day that I got to the office is the same day. That the Jerry the, the raccoon, raccoon puppet. puppet got to the office. Yeah. So, so it should have took six weeks. It took seven months to get his puppet. And it, and it arrives on FedEx. The, the day he's day. setting up in the office, I come in with the box. Jeremy the raccoon and Jeremy the human started <laughs> on the same day. On the same Which day. is really weird. And we just, we've talked about how the storyline for the show that you wrote in January, like, coincided with our life. We have an episode about making room in the office, which is literally as we were doing these voiceovers, we're just laughing like, this is the show that you wrote yeah. months we, ago we write, and we're living this show. We do the song, Let's Make Room, and we have to make a bunch of room for Gary the Rhino because there's no room. And then we record the audio. Then we usually do the footage a few right. months later. By the time we're doing the footage, we've run out of room and we're knocking walls out of the office. Like so we put it in the actual song. Yep. Yeah. So it was, that was all that was weird. And I now, was going to tell you, like, season two, you need to write how we all become millionaires. millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do with all this money? We're just, like, waiting around. We're loaded. We got money. We got a lot of, lots and lots of money. Yeah. Uh, that would yeah. be his so it, But it has been coinciding, and we're it literally what happened on the kids' show is happening in real life and it, we do have a team. We did 10 years of yeah. far flung with me as the only full-time staff. And now we've got me, you, Brian, people. Ashley, yeah, six is here part-time. Yeah. Steven's now here full-time. And then I'm still getting, te now I'm getting text messages from people being like, oh, Hey, I might quit my job. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah. um, we could put a balcony in. And let's just reiterate that we said this about my story earlier. <clears throat> I would love to say that you devised some master plan to grow far flung and to have everything. I would love to say that we had everything figured out. Bro, this, like, people loading up in the middle of the night, people quitting jobs, people getting fired from jobs, people 
like all of these things, none of this was planned. All of it just happened. Right. Yeah. And we're still not, we're still not paying. Right. (laughs) You know, it's not, you know, it's completely out of our hands. You guys keep coming on like, Hey, we want to help. And I'm like, we, we just don't have the budget. That's fine. I was, I was thinking about it earlier. Like I literally for four months, what three or four months or no more than that just came Monday through Friday, just (laughs) morning to evening. And like, never, never, we never talked. It was just like, I'm just here. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like some, there was like one big decision that me and my wife had to make. And it was like all the other decisions were made. You know what I mean? Like, it all just, just happened. Yeah, it's, it's really, really like. Eventually we had the, the, the movie moment. Like if there's ever a like portrayed far flung movie. We had a scene that like all of us are played by these like big characters and Brian would be played by uh, Matthew McConaughey. And Brian is now ma- he's deciding to make the move. He's like, I'm coming here in two months. And Jeremy's just kind of here. I've been here for what, four or five months at this yeah, point. Yeah. And so like something. Brian's like, I think afraid you're going to leave. Or and he's like, I want, I, I feel like you're supposed to be part of this yeah, movement. It's all, it's all of us. We're all going to do this. And I've been and he here calls for like this four meeting. or five months. He, he has conversations with me. He has conversations with you, me, you. I'm like, I don't know. He, I don't know. He's, he's here. And finally he's like, we need to talk. So like we all sit down he's like, bro, like, we, I feel like you're supposed to be part of this. And you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I'm coming here. Like if I, I'm coming here, like, <laughs> are, are you down to do this? Are we going to make a run at this? And like, he just kept going. And what I, I was like, you bro- I've been here. You're, I'm already here. I'm already here. Like, <laughs> he yeah, slams like, the desk. It got, it got way more dramatic than it was. I think it's funny. All the stories that we tell are me yelling at Brian. And, <laughs> and like none of them, I actually yelled. It just got Your voice the, got like higher in like pitch. He told that story at, at Lee at the chapel. Like, He's relax. like, the guy back there on the keys yelled at me, relax. Like, it's okay. Okay. First of all, I didn't yell. You probably Second said, all, dude, relax. Yeah. You were talking Second to all, like four people. Yeah, it was to everyone. It wasn't to <laughs> And him. I'm pretty sure you're saying that but, every day. But he took, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I just said it in He told me yesterday, relax, bro. He was just relax, bro. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. That, and you know that's, that's funny. the funny thing is like I just thought about this when people start getting worked up and doing things and doing things it's just like are you still a child of God yes or no yes <laughs> okay then relax because that's what I feel like like right. that's the full version right so you were in Brazil for Together Project and the two yeah two yeah and Together Project Together <laughs> get it all right and uh, we found out something interesting about Jeremy that Jeremy is terrified of bats bro and on the spot like we're filming yeah you know, i've never seen you like well people get in that people mode no people know like, <laughs> like like this is not like a new thing that happened in the amazon like oh. i have like chris and caleb people back home if they're listening to this they're like cracking up right now <laughs> um yeah i just i had a traumatic event as a child Oh, you got an origin story too? Yeah. We used to take rubber bands because we had like these big street lights in the parking lot. Wait, of the wait, church. wait. I got, your parents weren't shot in an alley after a theater ring. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they had, we had those big street lights in the parking lot. So all these bugs, well, these bats would come fly around them. You could hear them chirping. So when we were little kids, we were like, hey, hey, hey. you know, little kid thing. They had rubber bands and we'd take paper and like fold it like a V. And put it around the rubber band. And we'd take it and shoot it up in the air. Well, these bats, they echolocate on the pieces of paper. <laughs> and they would grab the paper and then let it go. And we thought it was hilarious. Like, how uh-huh, we tricked them. You know, like stupid bats, right? <laughs> so one time, I take this rubber band, I shoot it up. It goes up in the air. And it's coming back down. And as I'm going to catch it, this bat, well, <laughs> like, sideswipes my face. <laughs> And like I full on touch this bat, like grab it in midair and freak out. Like, dude, ruined my life. So yeah, that, that like ever since that moment. Like, have you ever felt a bat? I no, have. Yeah, because so you don't get it. 
<laughs> I mean, this man was ready to jump ship, literally. They're like rats point. with wings. Ace Ventura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we, this, this podcast, I mean, we're picking up sponsors left and right, and um, we've got a uh, ad here. Can I'll have Jonathan read the ad? Oh no! From our sponsor. I feel like I've been set up. Don't read it ahead of time. Just read oh, it. Just read yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's cold. <clears throat> I got to clear my throat because we haven't been podcasting for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Far Flinting Cam podcast is powered by Atacucho Cookies, the best cookies you've ever had in your life. Your bread of life, that is. Atacucho Cookies are handmade in Quito, Ecuador. I don't know why I'm laughing. For years, this bakery has been churning out <laughs> oogie. What? Gooey goodness that warms your soul. And the best part is free delivery. Mamma mia, that's amazing. <laughs> Visit AtacuchoCookies.co to try out all the amazing flavors. Every order of $100 or more gets a free Atacucho... That can't talk. Every order of $100 or more gets a free Atacucho cookie. You get a free shirt. Like, you get a free <laughs> can't talk today. All right, let's try one more time. There's going to be a lot of cutting. We got editing. the shirt part. Keep going. No, it's, we're, it's getting... Yeah, don't go back. <laughs> we want it. There's raw. tons of surprise information when you visit the site. So go visit atacuchocookies.co today. And don't forget the Atacucho Cookies signature jingle. Hit us with it, Jeremy. Oh, gosh. Q. Um, whatever it is. Cookies, cookies. Yes, they are. Cookies, cookies. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> That's all I got. Atacucho These cookies are life. Spell Atacucho. I can't. That's why I keep You're laughing. You're reading it. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> look at the paper and say the letters. Literally, every time I look at this word, it's got like 13. Like, everybody go to Atacucho.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.
songs and instead of paying $35 oh. for them, he's like, well, you just remake this in your own way. Well, you look at the, like these royalty free songs. And it's like, if you need, if you want it for broadcast, which our shows are on TV now, <laughs> it's like to have a stupid song. Just for pay, 10 seconds. Yeah. $350 right. to so, have the, you know, rights forever to play it. So I'm like, Hey, can you make a stupid song? So yeah, And he kills it. Changing the world. When <clears throat> almost every trip, well, not maybe every trip, but there's been so many trips where like we have like that moment, like where you think back on the trip and it's always like, you, you never know what's going to be that moment. Uh, and I think of like when we were in Pemba in the bush and we were look, looking at the stars. Remember we had like, just like a life talk. Mm. I feel like every trip there's like that. It's such a subtle moment. You know, it's not like the big moment where you see like this huge miracle. It's usually, it's like. It's subtle. It's unplanned. Yeah. Somebody's standing by themselves. Somebody else walks over. You start talking. Mm -hmm. But like those are some of the most defining moments on a trip that I don't think people expect. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. And at those moments, you always, like, realize you're in them, like, halfway through it. Yep. Like, you're in there, you're, it's like talking, everything's very innocent, and you're like, Something's happening. happening. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, it's, and there's uh -huh. nothing, nothing was said, nothing was done, you're just like, wait. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we've been on this shalom thing recently, like, like, the way I define it, my favorite definition is everything as it should be, and that's what those moments feel yeah. like. Like you're just in Pimba, stars, like people you're really close to. And it's like, this is it. Like there's no worries. There's no cares. There's no fears. There's no desires. There's it's just what it is. Whoa. Like, because we, we barely get those moments. And during that moment, I think like they were just finishing up an altar call. There was like hundreds of people in Portuguese, like giving their heart to the Lord and like, there was a lot happening, but the Lord like decided to give us this little moment outside of the big picture. Oh yeah. Well, that's like kind of like a microcosm of far flung trips in general. I think as you, you know, you, you talk about not desiring the empire, not desiring the mm -hmm. arena, not desiring the thing. It's like, you get to Pimba, you get to Barrow, you get to wherever. Like, you get 500 miles down the Amazon, and it's like, man, how do you say this without sounding like a complete artistic weirdo? But, like, that small, still voice thing, mm. you know? It's like, when you get 500 miles down the Amazon, and there's no electricity... And there's no amplification and there's no, you know, like that small, still voice becomes very loud. Like that, that whisper is the only thing that's there, you know, and it's like you really find like in that quietness, like you can really, really sense the presence. Yeah. You know, you like think about, I think about these cultures that have like these views of uh the the supernatural like some of the ancient cultures even like Mayan cultures and things and whatever um but they have those views that there's something beyond the physical there's something and it's like man when you get out to some of these places like you really do sense like whoa like there is a depth to this existence that you don't get on the surface and you don't get when you're so distracted. like, um, And I think that's what those moments kind of feel like. And that's what, the, what a lot of far-flung trips can do to you because you step off a vehicle and walk a few feet and in front of you is the frozen ocean, behind you is the frozen tundra, and there's nothing. And there's like, that's it. And you're standing, there's no noises, just some wind. And it's like, man, like, 
we constantly, like, I mean, let's be honest, we have a screen in front of our face until the moment we fall asleep most of the yeah. time. You know, and that's <clears throat> one thing, being intentional about coming here, and we have, like, a beautiful property yard at, at our home, and we live in McDonald, Tennessee. <laughs> and it's like, man, every once in a while, I go out to put the chickens up. My life has changed over <laughs> a couple of years. Let's just From talk about DC. that. You're right. Like, I go out and put the chickens up, and I'm walking back in, and it's just quiet. You know, and it's like, sometimes I just stop. I'm like, it's bedtime. My wife is going to be so mad at me because I'm just standing out here. But it's like, it's so worth it. You know, just stay in there and just like, take it in. Just take it in for a minute, and it's like, wow. And and it's it's a reminder, too. Like, maybe the reason I stop now is because I have felt it in Pimba, mm. and I have felt it in the Amazon and in Barrow and in all of these places. Like, So now I kind of got these antennas. Mm-hmm. You know, I've kind of tuned into this thing where it's like I'm walking, I'm like, wait, there's an opportunity to have, like, one of those quiet moments. Yeah. Like, to just feel the presence of God just for a second. Just to be grateful, breathe. All right, yeah, this is it, and you, then kind of go back to, yeah. to life. You told me you do something. You told me one time you do something. I do the same thing on a trip. Like at one point, you like sounds like we just turned so into. Weird. I think we I just turned into like, like I the most hippie. Because it's, but it's real. So it's like on every trip, at some point where you're just kind of by yourself, you just you just get kneel down on the ground and like pick up the dirt, put the dirt in your hands, or just like run yeah. your fingers through the land and just like be so in the moment. Yeah, and the, in almost every place we've been, Barrow's the exception because they don't have it. <laughs> I rub my hand on the ice. <laughs> no, they, there's like these trees. We sound like such hippies <laughs> right now. But it's like everywhere we go, like there's usually like this tree <laughs> that just like makes we an impression like, on me. Like we just like, you know, uh, what's took it? edibles right before this <laughs> podcast or something. What's the show, Survive, the survival show we've been watching? Alone? Alone when the guys are like rubbing the trees and like, I'm so sorry. Thank you, squirrel, for this. <laughs> it's not squirrel. like that, but I remember in Pimba. When we ate lunch with those kids at the orphanage, remember that huge tree? Yeah, the boa tree. Yeah, and it was like a billion degrees outside, but you could fit like 200 people under this tree. And it's like it was only made just to provide shade. And it's the only tree within the vicinity. And I just remember at one point, like everybody had walked away, and I just remember like being so grateful for like this tree. And I have a, like a explicit memory of me just like, Touching this tree and just like taking it. And it's, it's, I know it's weird, but it's like, it's the same thing with the ground. Like I used to go, I don't do this much anymore, but I used to go and like take dirt and like rub it in my journal. <laughs> How weird is that? It's funny because I think it's hilarious how it sounds, and I'm also tracking with you like 100. percent Because it's like I want to take the I want to I want to take it all in. If I go well, somewhere, it's and better I don't than get, like, Brian the, takes jars of dirt and water <laughs> home every trip, right? Like if I don't get the dirt on my hands and like you know, like I just you, you almost feel like you haven't even been there, you know. So it's like I, I like to have those moments like very very close intimate with tactile yeah it, it, it is a sensory thing it's like i don't know and there's a there's i think uh, this is another thing too i think we work so hard most of the time not to be quote unquote like contaminated you know like we constantly hand sanitizer and <laughs> all of those things and, and it's like every once in a while it's just nice to just like roll around in the dirt it's just nice to like you know, there's that weird, like, I don't know, we sound like super, like, <laughs> super weird right now. These are things that I've never talked about. Like, you are the only person I think I've ever mentioned this to. And that's it's when I a trip, it's like, all right, I got to let this out. That's what this podcast is going to be. Say, this is all what the fluff for. is out of this. If people are still listening at the, you know, 50 minute mark, they get, they get the real the good stuff. And I think I, we I don't like, know if it's even the good maybe stuff. Maybe in Pimba. <laughs> And I was just like, all right, I can't keep this secret anymore. I'm like, Kyle, I like touching trees when I visit places. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, me too. Like, oh, I do this. And it's like, okay, I'm not the only weird one. <laughs>
Um, but I mean, you know, not to make it deep, but it, I think that that's like, it's like funny and I feel like an idiot, but at the same time, like, it almost is like a, an act of worship, right? Mm. Like to appreciate and to acknowledge creation like yeah. that. So I used to feel like super weird about it. And then I then I thought like maybe that is like an act of worship because I've I, I've always thought like man when you're standing on the mountain and the sunset and you're just overwhelmed mm-hmm. it's like God's yeah. up there like yeah like that's just that appreciation it's being you present have. yeah right. being yeah. completely the present and you know it's not weird to to smell where you are and now, to look I, and to if hear I come the back sounds. Here, in like a few episodes and I start saying the trees are God and stuff then, <laughs> then, we, then, then we've gone too then, <laughs> then we're gonna have like three episodes to fix that, it like, Shintoism or something like yeah we, we've, we've gone too far but um, yeah it's it's just like you said being present and aware like you know it's kind of like I remember when we we climbed Santa Maria in Guatemala to the top of the volcano and that stray dog followed us we got up there and we we're like, wow, look at the beauty of this. The dog's just on the ground asleep. Like no sense of beauty, right? No appreciation. It's like a lot of times we live life like that. I can't talk about that dog because that yeah, dog yeah. in that moment was ruined. Yeah. Because the last bit of food that we had that I was starving for, you gave away. I mean, he was to hungry that dog. too, Will. <laughs> He was hungry too. So to you that's listening or watching on YouTube on the Far Flung Tin Can podcast, just know that being present is a present. <laughs> this is where like miserable podcast, I would say we're done. Like once you say something like that, it's, right. it's over. It just got canceled. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. We're done. <laughs> I mean, yes, we're done. We need to do, we've done like the things you have to pack on a trip. I think that's coming up. Yeah. I think that's next. Yeah. We need, we need to do like, like confession, like the weird things you do, like touching trees and, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like. Do a whole, do a a whole episode (laughs) on um, stories that have never been told. Yes. Or things that have never been told about a trip. Oh, like using the bathroom at 17,000 like, I was about to say, like... It's all bathroom stuff. Yeah. It's all... I couldn't control my bowels. I accidentally pooped myself. See? <laughs> That's why I got in the Amazon. All right. We should have stopped at present. <laughs> I told you. It's all bad. <laughs> All right, thanks for uh, joining us today, and uh, make sure to click subscribe. That can't talk. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> wow! Make sure you to push, push, push. This is not going well. Right, look, the, the podcast is over. <laughs> click to subscribe. I can't see you. Forget it. Hit that bell. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. <laughs>